welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Great. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're in the last section of this bit of the Bible. And Paul, talking to this church that he loves, he would love to be there, but he launches in and says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Hold on to everything. Test everything and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless until the day and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Wonder what that looks like. <laughs> I charge you before the Lord to have this letter to read out to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray for a moment and launch into this bit of the Bible. Lord, thank you that you're with us by your Spirit. Would you speak to us this morning as we are present together, but also present to you? Amen. Good stuff. Now, this sounds a bit like a random list of commands that bounces from subject to subject, from quenching the spirit to holy kisses, whatever they may be. But just by way of introduction to launch us off here, there are a couple of things you need to know. He's got the end in mind. That's what Paul's thinking about. The heart of this passage is really the summary of the whole letter, Paul's prayer and God's promise. And we see it in verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, he'll do it. He's basically saying, friends, things are tough now, but God has got you. He set you apart. He's sanctifying you. He's faithful and you will make it to the end. Turn to somebody and say, you will make it to the end. You will, you'll make it to the end. He's, re- he's reminding this church, guys, stick together. These encouragements that we just read about are given to the gathered church like this. All the verbs, all the instructions here throughout this passage are in the plural. As you gather, pray, give thanks, rejoice. They're not just individual instructions to Jeff or to you. They're to us all. They're to the whole group. It's a gathered church. Hence the language, greet everybody and have this letter read out. The assumption of the whole passage that we're looking at is that the church has come together and gathered. God is present in a special way when we come together. When you decide to set your alarm, you get out of bed, you come to church, the Lord wants to meet us here as we gather as church family. Paul is recognising for these people the environment they're in is hostile. The backdrop is persecution. You might feel like your environment is hostile. Maybe you're at university or your workplace or your family is hostile to your faith. They needed to stick together and we need to stick together as God's family. A bit like these emperor penguins on screen. <laughs> you know, these emperor penguins, they, they, they survive in the Antarctic and they survive temperatures of minus 60. And they do that with gusts of 100 mile an hour winds. On their own, if they were on their own for a few minutes, they'd be frozen to death, they'd be taken out. But by huddling together, there's a strength by being in this hostile environment. 
So this passage, although it feels a bit random like it bounces around, it isn't actually a list of random commands. We see Paul highlights three priorities for the gathered church. The worship of God, the work of the Spirit, and centering on God's word. First bit there, worship. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These activities are really from us directed up to God. It's a God-directed upward focus of rejoice, pray, give thanks. That's the attention of our heads and hearts up to heaven. It's a choice. It's a choice every time we come to church. It's a mature choice. We can so easily get stuck in self-pity, grumbling, fear, passivity. Does anybody get in that place sometimes? Some grumbling and a bit of self-pity? We can all do it. It's okay to recognise you might be there, but don't stay there. Don't get stuck there. The invitation is to rejoice, to pray, give thanks in all circumstances. We're not denying what's going on, but we're saying I'm not going to let that set the agenda or my response. I picked up my mum from the station last week. She'd been on a missions trip to Romania. She's 82, feisty uh, woman, my mum. And uh, she got back and she was meant to be on a train journey for an hour and a half from London to Birmingham. I was going to pick her up straight after church. Well, in the end, that one and a half hour train journey ended up being eight hours train was just as a complete nightmare they tried to kind of you know change trains but it was just a complete hoo-ha people wanting to get off the train walk to the closest town and get buses and the police said if you do we'll arrest you as trespass it was really just a carnage there was no power no air conditioning no food or water for eight hours mum fainted on the train and uh, yeah thank you and R in the moon please mum fainted on the train ah and um and I I picked her up after eight hours and I thought crikey I'll be pretty ticked off and first thing she says oh lovely to see you she was a bit wobbly and said said you know I said when I came round from fainting there were these lovely people they gave me a bottle of water how kind isn't God kind that when you're in a tough moment he puts good people around you I thought what a great response what a mature response I've been grumbling and moaning (laughs) and I was just struck by a mature response of giving thanks in all circumstances she didn't miss the moment but she was just trying to look on the bright side thanking God for his kindness in the midst of a horrendous ordeal well Paul he's giving straight talking heartfelt advice and discipleship to this church and he's not just giving some shallow advice that he hasn't lived himself he's had his own setbacks and trials he's he's been persecuted repeatedly he's been thrown in prison and when thrown in prison in Acts 16 what does he do he sings hymns to God he praises God in the midst of a tough situation So he's speaking authentic encouragement from his own life story. He's saying, you're in trials. Life's uncertain. When you gather, rejoice, pray, give thanks. Face it together like penguins in a huddle. You can survive this storm. Rejoice always. I did a word study on the word always. Guess what? It means always. (laughs) Rejoicing always is a choice. You know, we do this thing sometimes around here. I say God is good. You say, I say God is good. All the time, God is good. There you go. Do you know, because God's nature is unchanging, we can always rejoice. For God's people around the world, gathering in spaces like this, in different buildings of different shapes and sizes, collective worship or singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs that we're going to do in a minute, is one of the most helpful ways that we can learn how to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. There's a fascinating impact that takes place. I was doing some research and looking at the um, British Academy of Sound Therapy. They did this piece of research looking at lots of research papers about the benefits of public singing. And uh, they pulled together all, I can give you the link online afterwards, but they found out that singing can really positively affect your physical health, 
your mental health and your emotional well-being. Tons of evidence around that. When you gather with others, you stand and you sing, it regulates your breathing, it regulates your heart rate, it can reduce stress, it can actually boost your immune system, and it gives you a natural endorphin boost. Who would have guessed it, hey? Now that would even happen if we were singing ABBA's greatest hits, but we're not. <laughs> we're, not we're not an ABBA tribute band. We're talking about coming into the presence of God with our worship. So you might be thinking, I don't know the songs, I'm not a very good singer. Well, one of the reasons we crank the music up to a decent volume is that you can sing out and not feel too self-conscious. Just, you can sing away, just put your prayers to song. So when we gather, friends, find your voice, express your song, give your thanks to God. Use the gaps between the songs to sing your own new song to God. Don't just stop when the music stops. Maybe take an active stance when you come into a space like this. If you can, stand or maybe kneel. Prepare your heart. Maybe recall his promises. Maybe open up a favourite psalm. Which are the songs of God in the Bible? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Paul is clearly not saying that we should keep praying the whole time we're together. Sorry, I can't chat and have a coffee. I'm just praying right now. I mean, no, He's saying, let, let this atmosphere of worship, anointed worship and the gathering of church be a place where the prayers in our heart can just bubble up to God. It's an atmosphere of prayer. What helps for me, I find it really helpful when I come into a space like this, just to pause for a minute and take a line from maybe the daily exam and just go, Father God, you are here and I am with you. Help me today be fully present to you. It's just a simple prayer that I pray so I make the most of the moment, recognising I'm in an atmosphere of prayer. Father, you're here today. I'm with you. Help me give you my full attention. You know, pray continually. Maybe it's helpful to just pay attention to your thoughts and then pray your thoughts. We come into moments like this with a lot of stuff churning in our heads and hearts. You flick on the news, you look at the bills, you think about the heating, you think about all that's going on. There's a lot that we carry into these moments. But pay attention to your thoughts and then pray your thoughts. Stay in conversation with God in this atmosphere of worship. Is there something you need to say to him? Well, go for it. Maybe there's a concern you're carrying about a family member or something at work that's particularly giving you pressure right now. Use this time in an atmosphere of prayer as we gather to offer it to God. Come expectant that he wants to meet with you and speak to you. Philippians, another bit that Paul writes, says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and with thanksgiving, there's that thanksgiving thing again, present your requests to God, offer them up, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, we're casual around here in the vineyard. That's what we do, but we're not irreverent. We don't take ourselves seriously, but we do take God seriously, and we prioritise his presence. And one of the ways that we can do that is to be here each week and to come with expectant hearts. Third thing in this worship focus is give thanks. We've got pray, we've got rejoice in the Lord always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Tim Keller puts it this way on the screen. It's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, but thanksgiving is what you do. Paul was utterly convinced that God was repurposing the stuff of life, even the tough stuff of life, and working it. We don't thank God for things being bad, but we thank him in the midst of things, whatever is going on. Find something to be thankful for. Maybe you need to just recall and kind of trawl the week or the life and just think, is there something I can come to this moment and be thankful to God for? 
For me, when I'm in a time of life that is particularly hard-pressed, when there have been losses or pressures, sometimes I just have to start with the historic event of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I centre there. Because whatever else is kicking off, that's true. I often pray a prayer like this. God, if you never answer another prayer in my life, if I experience pain and loss and I have to live with mystery, I can still give thanks because of Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's a huge body of evidence about the benefits of thanksgiving and its positive impact on our mental health and well-being. So we worship with thanksgiving and come into the very presence of God. This is what it says in the Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The Bible's full of promises that happen as we come into his presence. Strength and joy in his presence and in his dwelling place. Something happens as we come, as we are to God, in a time of worship. He can reset and restore our soul. He can bring peace and strength and courage. That happens in his presence. So, these first little chunk is these God-focused choices. Turning our face towards heaven in worship. Worship is from us to God. And then, then we see this thing shift in the passage. It's actually God turning his face and attention towards us. The work of the Spirit amongst us. Paul is training the church to respond well to the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in the room. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what's good and just reject that which is evil. Don't quench the Spirit. The imagery is that of fire. The Apostle Paul is assuming that the work of the Spirit in a gathered space like this can be shut down. It can be quenched. God is sovereign but he still wants your cooperation. It is entirely possible for us to completely miss out on something good that God wants to do right here by shutting down the work of the Spirit in us or in this space. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, wake up, friends. My father could have good things in mind and you can completely miss it. You could quench the Spirit and miss what he's up to. Maybe the work of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit are outside your experience and, and you've seen them handled badly or you've got, maybe you're a bit cautious. I remember a little while ago, maybe you've had some weird experiences. A little while ago, Rosie and I were at an event. It wasn't a vineyard thing. It was just something somewhere else in the country and there was a speaker doing this thing and there was a chance to get prayed for. And I was standing there quietly. There was a prayer line. They were going to come and pray for people. Sometimes when people are prayed for, they're overwhelmed with the presence of God and they can rest in the Spirit. And, and um, I could just hear right, sort of five paces down where Rosie was. Rosie was going, sorry, uh, can you stop that, please? Excuse me, you're trying to push me over. I'm not appreciating that. If God wants to do something in my life, that's fine, but he doesn't need a helping hand from you. I thought, oh, there you go, there's my wife. <laughs> Feisty lady that she is. You know, sometimes we've had slightly weird experiences, people helping God along or doing weird stuff. Do you know, I love the fact that we're naturally supernatural. We just say, God, if you're going to do something, it's up to you. But I don't want to miss a moment when God wants to do something in my life. Let me just help us think about this for a minute. Got myself a little snow globe here. We've got a little happy face. There's a little lady there. There's a little guy. So it just sort of works for both of us and all of us in the room. So let me just think about this. For the purpose of this illustration, think about the, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, like the snow that's in the, in the kind of the snow globe there. Let me ask you, is there snow in the globe? Jeff, is there snow in the globe? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. Confident yes from Jeff. There is snow in the globe. Do you know, if you're a follower of Jesus... The Holy Spirit is in your life. There's no question about that. What is it to welcome the work of the Spirit? 
in our lives. What is it to be filled with the Spirit? Well, God gets hold of our lives and he does stuff in us and he wants to bring us close to his heart and he works. And, and as he starts to work and we say, God, get your hand on my life. You're welcome to do what you want. My goodness, look. Now the snow globe is filled with snow. Cooperating with the work of the Spirit and welcoming God to touch our lives doesn't mean that he wasn't there before, but now being filled with the Spirit is when he permeates every single part of my life, every aspect of my life. Nothing's off limits. Every part of me now is affected by the presence and the work of the Spirit. The snow globe is filled with snow. Do you know, we can't expect the Holy Spirit to work through us if we've not welcomed his work in us, every part of us. As we gather, we can quench the Spirit, which basically says, oh, do you know what? I like things nice and settled. Hands off, God. Don't grab me and mess with my life. Just keep it nice and simple. A nice little dusting of snow looks lovely. But being filled with the Spirit, welcoming the work of the Spirit, is recognising that sometimes God grabs our lives and wants to do something in them. Something good. And that can be resisted and quenched or cooperated with and received. And that's what Paul is saying. You've had this God-focused choice. You've turned your face to heaven. God is turning his face towards us. And he comes amongst us by his Spirit. How do we welcome his work? There are lots of ways that the Spirit works. When we gather, Paul illustrates just with one of the gifts. He could have picked any number of gifts, but he talks about the gift of prophecy. He says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecy is when we get to something from God and we speak to people for their encouraging, strengthening and comfort. Wayne Gruden puts it this way, that it's human words reporting something that God has brought to mind. Just trying to share something in, in human language, an impression from God. They're meant to bring encouragement, strength and comfort. And Paul says, don't despise that stuff. Maybe you've had a bad experience, someone shared a word that was a bit cranky, it's easy to despise the gifts of the Spirit, but prophecy is meant to be clearly part of congregational life. Otherwise, Paul would have simply said, don't do it. He taught people how to use the gifts well. The antidote for any abuse of a gift is the proper use of that gift. Paul says, eagerly desire the gift of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So what does he say? Paul says, test everything. You know, when somebody has a prophetic word, they share something from the front or they come to you and they share a word. He's saying, you know, you mustn't despise it, but you mustn't also accept those things blindly without discernment. Paul wants us to discern. That, you know, for us, we say, does it line up with the Bible? Does it, does it um, confirm in a helpful way something that God says there, but it's just current for now. A prophecy will never contradict any part of the Bible. Is it motivated by love? Does it build up and strengthen and encourage? And we try and say, look, if you're around here and you're sharing a word that you think God has given, just say, I think the Lord might be saying. You're just kind of downplaying it. You don't have to ramp it up in a weird voice. And then basically, Paul says, you know, I want you to hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Oh, I've dropped something already. Look at that. The language here is, is good was often used in reference to what was genuine as opposed to counterfeit. The bankers used that terminology. And they would say, do you know what? Test the coins. And if there's something that's, um, oh, that's a fake. That's a fake. We'll reject that. Oh, look, I found something that's good. There's a good one. That's the real deal. That's worth, that's worth a pound. So he's saying test what comes your way in a gathered moment. Some of it is just, it's not very weighty. It's not got much kind of value to it. But other things, it's got some value. If you say, I don't want any of it, you miss a thing that's of value. So Paul is saying, be open to the work of the Spirit. You've got to let a bunch of stuff happen because then the good stuff you hold on to. The other stuff, you just let it drop. How do we do that here? Well, we try and have two values in tension. We try and be thoroughly planned and respect God with good planning and preparation. And we try and stay Spirit-led. 
Those are the values that we hold in tension as leaders whenever we do service. We make space for pre-service prayer just to gather and say, hey, what do you sense the Lord might be saying and doing? And when we have a word, you can come up to Jeff or Becky and say, look, I've been praying and I think God might want to say this or do this. There's always space. You can always tap Jeff or Becky or service leaders on the shoulders and say, I was praying and I think God wants to do this. We just try and make space to cooperate with the work of the Spirit in us and through us. The last few minutes before we come to worship, two things. How do we cooperate with the work of the Spirit in us in a space like this? And how do we cooperate with the work of the Spirit through us? Sometimes God wants to come close and grab our lives. And we just like things nice and still. We want to stay in control. Let me just explain to you something that can happen. Sometimes in the presence of God... When we come into an atmosphere of worship, it's as if the Holy Spirit draws close to our lives. And it says in Romans 5, 5, that God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he's given us. It says this in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He restores those who are crushed in spirit or have lost hope. Sometimes in God's presence, things can come to the surface. It's like God can lift the lid. Maybe there's a feeling that bubbles up of sadness or you just get in touch with something or maybe you just become a little bit emotional or, or a thought comes to mind from a thing that happened a few days ago. Sometimes when the Spirit of God is moving in a room or in our lives, it's something's going on in us that is not just a cerebral, rational moment. There's a response at a heart level to what God is doing. And we can either just shut that down and ignore it or we can go, God, What are you wanting to do in my life right now? Are you coming close to grab hold of my life and to do something good? Is this a moment where you're going to bring strength or encouragement or comfort? And if you just feel a bit uncomfortable and try and shut it down, you could be missing a moment. Maybe there was a line in a song that got your attention. Just something about it just grabbed you and you thought, oh, that's speaking to me. Dwell there for a bit. Say, God, what is it you're trying to say to me this morning? Maybe there's a phrase in a message, a particular thing that struck you. Just see that as a start of a conversation with God, rather than just like move on in a moment. Create space. Spend time with God asking, what are you wanting to say right now? How are you getting hold of my life? Is it to put some courage in there, some comfort, some strength and perspective? You might have got weary or hacked off with somebody in your family and you just need fresh resource and grace and courage and patience. Maybe that's what God has wanted to do in this moment. But you could just say, no, I'm moving on to the next thing. So we just try and have a heart and a posture that is expectant for God to be present and actually getting hold of our lives in a good way, in a life-giving way. What about the Spirit's work through us? Well, be expectant and be brave. Every time you come into a gathered space, just be expectant that God might want to put a thought in your head, a bit from the Bible that you could share because it could bring some encouragement to somebody else. So many, so many times in church when people have made space for words to be shared, it might not feel very significant to you, but you share it and it just describes someone's story over there. And they go, oh my gosh, I feel seen and known by God. I'm going to get some prayer. And it's a moment where God's kindness comes in. That happens again and again. I was chatting to a friend who leads a church around the corner and they were saying they met a couple of friends at a newcomers event. They're not believers. And they said, how come you're here? He says, well, we came to church and then... Some of those psychics were sharing kind of things about words and, and, they, and they just would write to us and they said, oh, well, we don't call them psychics. It's just like, it's, it's people sharing things that God was saying. They said, oh, well, we haven't got a clue if God's there, but they said things that described our story completely and we, we just thought, well, we better find out some more. You just never know what could feel insignificant to you. I think it was a word of knowledge about a, a physical condition and something else about a life circumstance. 
Just put a bit of a God spotlight to help someone go, do you know what, I'm seen and known by God. God's doing something. So just be expectant and be brave. Make space and time. Last thing in this passage, we've seen worship, this God-focused moment. We've seen the work of the Spirit, God putting his focus on us in the room. And then just the last thing is the Word of God. Just have this affection and submission to God's Word. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read out. A couple of things, really briefly. Greet all people, not just your friends and your mates. It's an instruction. Greet everybody with a holy Christ. An appropriate warmth of affection that is spread around the whole family. I charge you, have this letter read out, read to everyone. This is like a public instruction from God's word. Every time we gather, we listen to God's word and we say, God, what is it you're saying and how can I apply it? We don't want to be fools who just hear it. We want to say, God, help me apply it. So as we finish then, as we gather, as we're this gathered church, we worship and seek his presence by praying, rejoicing, giving thanks. We welcome the work of his spirit. We learn to say, God, you can have your hand on my life in whatever way you want to. And we're formed by his word as we listen and obey. Before we worship, just want to finish with this blessing at the heart of this passage. So can we have the team come to the front? Paul puts it right in the middle of this passage. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And I think he's saying that will happen as we do the rest of the stuff in that passage. Shall we stand and we're going to worship God together. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.